Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. I'm going to read this verse to you. Joshua 21, verse 45. says, Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything came to pass. Isn't that beautiful? And so that's really, if you wanted to sum up the book of Joshua, that's the, the summation of it. Is that everything that the Lord promised to them happened. Everything. And so I think um, we all have promises from the Lord, don't we? That haven't been fulfilled. And I think the Lord wants His people to know that He's, the, he's a God who keeps His word. And... Um, you know, so we live in this age of amazing. We live in an amazing age in a lot of ways. I mean, it's you know, it's terrible. There's a lot of terrible stuff happening, obviously. Um, but in you know the the media, the internet, and all that is it can be an evil, right? I mean, no no question, it can be a terrible evil uh, in the wrong hands. But this also can be a blessing, you know. Um, but what can happen, I think, with lots of times, and I think what has happened to lots of us is uh, because we're, we're curious. You know, God made us curious people, right? We're all curious. We want to know things, and we want to know what's happening in our world, and, uh, and we should. We should be paying attention to what's going on in our country and, and what's happening in the world. Um, but there's so much information, and, and obviously a lot of it is just absolutely not good. I mean, a lot of it's not even, we shouldn't even give our ear to it because it's, it's a narrative that's not the truth. And what we're wanting to do is overcome those narratives. And, and we overcome uh, evil with good. We overcome the lie with the truth. And so we have to have the word of the Lord living in us and powerful in us so we can learn to discern what's being told us if, if it's true or not. And that's, the, that's where I think a lot of times uh, the church has kind of failed is we've depended on people to tell us what the truth is without developing the ability to, to discern the truth for ourselves. And so we're in a time now where there's a desperate need uh, for the people of God uh, not just to hear what people are saying, but hear, hear what's true and what's not true. I think in the, uh, at the end of a lot of what's going on, we're going to find out things that we thought were really tr- the truth. And I'm saying we on both sides of the spectrum, the, both sides of the political spectrum, things that we believe was really the truth, and we're going to discover, well, that was not exactly the truth. Okay, so, so what the Holy Spirit wants to do is give us, enable us, uh, not to just believe things, uh, but believe the truth and be able to know when the truth's being spoken and not be dependent on... Uh, voices out there, whether the voices in the church or, or, or in the world, not just to depend ourselves on that, but learn to know the, hear the voice of the Lord in all the voices. It's really, really what it is. So, so on one hand, we should be paying attention to what's happening in the world. But what can happen to us is... Those things can become, we can become so much engaged with that 
that the the things of the Lord began to get pushed out of our life, little by little by little. And those things began to capture our heart and, and our attention, our focus is so much on what's happening in the world or maybe what's happening in your own personal world uh, that the things of God, the kingdom of God begins to become less and less of a, a thought in your mind and the passion for the Lord uh, begins to, to wear down. You begin, honestly, you begin, to, you, you head towards more of a lukewarm Christianity. Are you with me this morning? Am I making any sense in this? Um, but when we really begin to make, make Christ everything, when we begin to make uh, the Lord Jesus everything, the kingdom of God everything, when we begin, to, there's a beauty in that, that that's the only place you're going to find this beauty. There's this beauty, this hidden beauty out there. Uh, that God wants people to discover that he's made available for us, uh, but we have all these distractions. One of the things that happened to the children of Israel, if you go back and really kind of study the the whole journey that they had coming out of Egypt, is they had this longing. Once they were delivered from slavery, which is crazy, they were delivered out of Egypt, out of bondage, but they wanted to go back. They talked about the, the, the cucumbers and the melons in Egypt that they, that they missed and they longed for those things and wanted to go back. And pretty much the entire time that generation had a voice, uh, they were wanting to keep, go back to Egypt. And that, lots of times that's the way we are. But once they crossed over into the promised land, things shifted for them. In fact, you will never find another time once, once the house of Israel... I love how they said that, the house of Israel versus the children of Israel. Because we're a house. We're the house of God. Okay, but once that house of Israel, once they entered the promised land, they, they began to find the thing that every human being longs for. And that's, they, they begin to find security. They be, begin to find prosperity. They begin to find uh, a sense of home. That's what they begin to find. They begin to discover this thing because everybody has this thing in them. Uh, whether, whether you're aware or not, I realized in my life, my entire life, there was this thing in me. And it was that, that looking for that home, looking, there was a, where I didn't, I felt homeless in a way. I felt, felt a need to find home. And, it was a, and I didn't understand it as a child. I didn't understand it for a long time as a believer. Okay? I didn't really understand that. That, that God has put something in humans, every human, there's this thing about home that we're longing for and that we're looking for. And that's really what they found. And once you begin to find home, you begin to find who you are. Because at home, that's where your identity is formed. And that's where you are seen. That's where you are heard. That's where you are valued the most. Or, you know... That's the way God wants it to be. It doesn't always happen in the natural. That's kind of, we have all these abandoned people walking around on the earth. And is this making sense? And so for Israel, for the house of Israel, that's what happened. They discovered that home in, in the promised land. And God fulfilled everything he said. He gave, them, he gave them prosperity. He gave them security. He gave them a home. He gave them provision. And that's really, you know, the, that's really what the church is supposed to be on the earth. A lot of people think uh, 
that when Israel, they look at this story as heaven. The promised land is heaven. But that's really not what it is. It's not heaven. It's heaven on earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It was never about going to heaven. Uh, It was about bringing heaven here. You see, when we get saved, it's not about just about us going to heaven. Obviously, that's our, our destination. But there's this journey on this earth where God wants us to discover heaven ourselves and bring that into our lives. And that's really what uh, they did. That's what they did. That's why God, that's why that verse is the house of Israel. God did for them what he promised to him he would do. And so we have to be people that believe that God's going to do that for us. Are you with me? You, we have to, and so, so the whole point in all this is that we wouldn't be passive about it. The whole point is that we would, be, we, would be an, we would begin to be intentional people, that we are living in a land, in a world that's really not our ultimate home. So the only way we can find home in this world is to bring home, to bring the home from heaven here and be able to help people find that home that don't have that home because there's a world full of people that don't have that home. There's a, there's a world of Christians. There's people in this room. You, you don't feel at home. You might feel at home in a natural sense in a church body, but ultimately you, there's something in you that's, that's missing. You haven't discovered that place. Well, it's a powerful pull on our hearts, that, that, that need for home. It's a powerful pull. And, and it's a pull that God wants to be powerful in our life. So, um, you know, that's really what the Lord wants to do for you. He wants to lead you into that place. He wants to bring you into that place. Um, so i got a few little things here that might help you. Um, just in case you're wondering about, you know, well, that's great that the Lord wants that. How can I do that? Would anybody be interested in a few little things? that I've learned in my life. Most of them are from here, but here's, here's one of them. I'll tell you this. One of them is, is for us to really just, we have to get rid of our false expectations because we're ate up with false expectations where we expect certain things to be a certain way and expect God to act a certain way, and he doesn't. Okay, so I'm going to read this verse here. Uh, it's in Exodus. This is when the Lord was speaking to, to Israel about going to the promised land. This is way before they went. In fact, this crowd here he was talking to didn't make it. They all died uh, in, the, in the wilderness. We don't want to... I'm not interested in dying in no wilderness, spiritual wilderness. I can tell you that now. Uh, that's, I have zero interest in that. Uh, I'm interested in from glory to glory. You know, that's what Jesus says. We're transformed from glory to glory. And maybe one day, this is what should happen. One day we're experiencing a glory, and then we go to another glory, and we're like, uh-oh, I done stepped across the, I done stepped across the border into a whole other realm of glory. I've left that former glory into the greater glory. That's the way God wants It's like Enoch walked with God, and he was no more. That's what the Bible says. Like, that's it. Let's just keep walking with the Lord, and we walk on into heaven. We had a friend who uh, his son was, it was terrible, but his son was passing away. And, and this is what he told his son. If you, if you think you're closer to his house than this house, go on home. And, it's, and it's, that's how he released his son. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, that would be a hard day for a dad to do that. But that would be the best way to release anybody. 
Well, this is what the Lord told him. I will send my terror ahead of you. That's beautiful. Come on, Lord, get them. It's like get, let the dogs out. Let them dogs of heaven out and go deal with those people that are trying to mess with us. And I will throw into confusion all the people among whom you come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. That's a, that's a promise from the Lord, y'all, for us today. And I will send hornets. Mm. I don't know what this is, but I know what a hornet is. Y'all know what hornets are, right? I, I, we have hornets around our house, and I read up on them because I wanted to be careful about them. Is hornets will not bother you unless you happen to be walking in their path. And if you're in their path, you're going to get blistered. That's what they, they don't go after people necessarily. They just go and do what they think. But if you happen to be in their path, so I'm, I was paying attention to the hornets. Like, where are they coming from? Where are they going? Where are they co- and I'm going to find out where they're coming from so I can go deal with it. These big old nests. Let me tell you what not to do. You see a big hornet's nest in a tree? Don't take a shotgun and shoot it. Because you shall regret it. Because you can't kill hornets like that. I know for a fact. I did some dumb things when I was growing up. Hey, look at that. Let's shoot that. And the Lord said he was going to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and the Hittites from you. And I will not... Now listen, here's the key. I will not drive them... From you in a single year, so that the land will not become desolate and the animals of the field become too numerous for you. I will drive them out from you little by little until you become fruitful. Everybody say fruitful. Fruitful and take possession of the land. Now, so this is really the way God works is God uh, does not give us everything at once. He really doesn't. And see, we have an expectation when we read a verse like, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's Ephesians 1, 3. And we wonder why we don't have it all. Well, God's not an idiot. He, he, you, he gives you what you can steward. Okay, right from the very beginning, when Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion over the entire earth. But all they had possession was, was the promise, was the Garden of Eden. And he says, when you learn how to cultivate this, when you learn how to, to take care of this, and then you can be ex- expand this. You have to learn to steward what you already have. Are y'all following this? And that's really why a lot of us are not walking in everything that God, or even close to what God has for us, because we haven't learned to steward what he's already given us. We haven't been thankful for what he's ever, already given us. And say, so when we begin to learn how to steward what we have and, and cause what we have to grow and become fruitful, that's when we can begin to expand out and get more from God. Does that make sense to you? And I, honestly, the reason I'm sharing this, this scripture has helped me in my life because I felt like a lot of time in my life, everything is in slow motion with God. All the things I have believed for God, I felt like it took way too long. Have you ever noticed that about the Lord? Here's what I've noticed about the Lord. Is Lord, what, what's the deal? Why does it take forever? Or why is it all of a sudden you want to do something? I'm thinking, I ain't ready for this. Do y'all have that experience? It's like God takes too long or he wants you to do something and you're like, I ain't feeling that. That, whoa. That's, I was thinking that would be a, a while back. It's like he's never convenient, it feels like. 
he never shows up. I've often told people, God doesn't wear a watch. He really doesn't, he doesn't, and he doesn't really care about time the way we care about it. I'll be honest with you. This is the way I feel about the Lord. He doesn't care anything about my schedule. He could care less about my schedule. If my schedule happens to be contrary to his, guess who? Schedule should be taking precedence. And I have a struggle with that because I like schedules. You can ask Becky. That's one of our big fights in life. <laughs> so back to Adam and Eve. They owned it all by promise. So you own it all by promise. You own every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You own it by promise. But you have to, you're only going to take possession of it as you learn to steward it. It's, it's the truth. A few years ago, there was this big thing, oh, we don't need to say come Holy Spirit because we already have the Holy Spirit. Well, that's really not true. That's a very misleading statement. Obviously, we already have the Holy Spirit, but who doesn't need the Holy Spirit? Well, there used to be this song one time years ago called Show Your Power, O Lord. Remember that song? Show your power. Well, this guy came to me. He had a hard time with that because this is what he said. Well, God's already shown his power. He did it at the cross. Sure he did. But dude, didn't you just tell me last week your wife was suffering from some kind of severe stomach issue and you want me to pray for her? So you don't want God to show your power in your wife's life is what you're telling. It was a, see, it was a religious thing. All that stuff's religion, y'all. It's just religion. Don't, don't buy into that lie. It's a, it's a deception to disengage you. It's a deception to disarm you. As a believer. Are y'all good? No, you're not. Yeah, I didn't say that. (laughs) Becky said that. I'm going to read you one more verse here about that, just in case. Uh, Proverbs 20, 21. An inheritance gained in a hurry at the beginning will not be blessed in the end. An inheritance gained in a hurry in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Why do you think people who win lotteries or wind up in prison or killing each other or broke within a, because they gained an inheritance because they weren't ready for it. They weren't ready all of a sudden to be wealthy. They weren't ready from going from making $20,000 a year to being multimillionaires. And so, see, what God wants us to do is he wants us to, us to grow into our inheritance. As a young believer, there was this little statement, bloom where you're planted. And become fruitful where you are. And when you do that, God can entrust more to you. And God will entrust more to you. Everybody, y'all, don't y'all love that? Yeah. Yes, I love it. No, I don't love it. Okay, that was one of them. Number one, number two, the second one is this about remembering. Uh, let me read these verses to you. I hope this is helping somebody in this room this morning. Joshua 4, 5 through 7. This is... This is right after they crossed over the Jordan. And Joshua said to them, cross again to the, to the ark. See, the ark was still sitting in the middle of the Jordan. It was there. All the people had crossed over. And then, then Joshua said, cross it, go back to the, to the ark uh, of, the, of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. And each of you take a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes. So there would be 12, 12 stones. Uh, this shall be a sign among you when your children ask later, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Isn't that powerful? Then you will say to them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And, and, and when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. 
so these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Isn't that beautiful? And so really what that teaches us is it's about remembering you know, what God has done, remembering uh, in, a, in a righteous way, because there's a way to remember that's not righteous. Uh, when we try to live in the past, and our past becomes the best of our life, and we're hanging on to the past, that's a bad remembrance. That kind of remembering will lead you into a lukewarm Christianity, because the only life that you really have is right now. But there's times in our life, and, and, and if you look at culture, everybody has phones now and cameras on them, and everybody loves to take pictures, right, uh, of moments or something that is meaningful to you. Some people take it to try to be cool and be influencers and all that, but I'm not talking about that because I don't really care about that. I think that's, there's some difficulties around all that, I'll be honest with you, that can get you in a lot of, in the Lord can get you in trouble. I, that's another story. Um, that's, and a lot of that's just my perspective. But, you know, people journal, right? People journal things. People take photographs. I got on my, all my devices. I have lots of devices, by the way. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I like devices. But all of them have pictures of my grandchildren on them, on the screensaver. That's what I got. And, and when I open that device and I look at the picture, obviously, as a grandparent, my heart melts because of these people I love and care about. Um, but also, in my mind, I remember the picture. I remember when it was taken. And sometimes with the older grandkids, I'll send them a picture of them when they were little just to remind them that they're not like what they think they are. You know, like you're not all grown and I'm still around, you know. But we do that to, to reconnect with something that's meaningful to us. We journal so we can go back and look at it and reconnect. Or it could be a, a time of sorrow in your life where you, it, you, would, look, you would go back and, and reflect on that time of sorrow. Because I've found this in life uh, I don't want to go through sorrow. I don't want to go through trials and none of that. I'm not for any of that, but I've been through many. You've been through many. And what I have found, there's meaningful things that happen in our life when we reflect back on those times. And one of those things is when we reflect back is we can get courage and we can get strength knowing that God was with us in those times and, and he got us through those times. I'm thinking there's people in this room, you have been through some terrible times, but here you are today with tears on, in your eyes worshiping the Lord, even though you've suffered great loss and great trauma in your life. That's what remembering is all about. It really is. You know, there's, if you do this sometimes, think about when you read the Bible this week, try to, in your mind, highlight every time the word remember is in the New Testament. It is all over the New Testament. Jesus used it constantly. Do the, communion, do this in remembrance of me. Uh, Becky and I did communion this morning, and we were, remember, we were thinking about what all the bad stuff in the world, but then we remembered what Christ did and said, you did this, you can fix all this. And, and remembrance helped us to not get drug into the, 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 the ditch of the world and the sorrow of the world, but to see that Christ has already did something that can answer all this. And, put, and that's where we put our faith instead of getting locked into a life of fear. Are you all with me? Yeah. And so another thing that Paul told, uh, not Paul, but Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, 
uh, this is what he said, remember from where you fell. Because at one time you were a powerful people and you got away from being a powerful people. And here's, what you, and here's why you were a powerful people, because, you, because of love. It wasn't, and because if you read the, the, in, a, in Revelations, the church at Ephesus was, was one of the most powerful churches. All the things that Jesus listed they were doing were amazing things. They would be like the pop, most popular church in America because they were so powerful and God was using them so bad. But he said, you've fallen. You've fallen because you've left love. And he was, he was calling them back to love. And he was calling their mind back to remember how much they were in love with Jesus. Isn't that great? Well, I want to, yes, I want to read one more scripture. Uh, oh, here's one. Remember Jesus Christ. That's what Paul told Timothy. Can you think of a, a thing? Like, that sounds dumb, Paul. Remember Jesus. Who's going to forget Jesus? It's simple, but we could, Jesus could get out of our minds. Well, here's, here's a beautiful one. I wanted to read this one because this one really spoke to me one time when I was just crushed. I'll give Jim Hill credit for this because he was. This was in South America years ago, and it was after we had uh, had tragedy in the church. I mean, terrible tragedy, and so we were supposed to be going down there to minister. And, and you know, you know, have you ever just been in a place where you were crushed on the inside? You were just crushed. Your heart was broken. You were ripped to pieces, and you and you and you had to keep going. You, God was telling, wasn't saying go sit there and grieve. He was saying you grieve as you go. That's a hard place to be. It's a hard place to be to be broken and feel like feel empty and feel defeated. But yet you're trusting the Lord because that's what he's told you to do. He's just said, you just need to keep doing what I told you to do. And so we were down in South America and in this meeting down there, and Jim was preaching, and, and, and he was preaching in Spanish, but somebody was uh, interpreting for us gringos. Uh, but he was telling this story about Jesus and Mark. I don't even know if Jim, Jim remembers it, but it just struck me that moment, and it really helped me get through that trip. Jesus uh, was talking to his disciples. They were in the boat, and they were talking about bread, and uh, you know, and they were arguing about not having bread, and he was really kind of talking about the, the religion and, and politics. That's what he was talking about, Be, being careful uh, about the bread of Herod, which is political spirit, and, and, uh, and about the religious spirit, the, the bread of the Pharisees. But they were all hung up, you know, about sandwiches and stuff for lunch. <laughs> you know? And, and Jesus, this is what Jesus, he went through this, and he, and he was talking about all these miracles he just did. I mean, he just had done, and like, like dude, did, I just multiplied all this food, and y'all were worried about sandwiches? I mean, that's what he was saying. Y'all are sitting here fussing over sandwiches, and I just multiplied food. I fed thousands of people. And, and he was just trying to make a point to them. He wasn't trying to exalt himself. He was trying to make a point, like, where are you thinking, you're thinking at? And this is what he said in verse 18, and, and I think this is, is, was what Jim, Jim told this story. Having eyes do you not see? And lots of times we just don't see. But then, but Jesus is gracious. Okay, if you can't see it, can you hear it? And having ears, do you not hear? Are you hearing anything from the Lord? I ain't seeing nothing, I ain't hearing nothing. Well, default to this, and do you not remember? You see, that's the thing that, you know, that's all, like Jesus' default for all of us. If you're not sensing the Lord, if you're not getting anything, if you're not hearing anything, go to remembrance. What has Jesus Christ done for you? How has Jesus Christ answered you? 
And, and that right there will give you a strength and it'll give you courage because that's what it did that night for me. When I, be, I, I was focused on, on the sorrow and the tragedy and the loss that we were experiencing, that was the forefront of my mind and, and I was focused on my own grief. But when he, when he read that, it clicked something in me and I began to remember the beautiful things that the Lord had done and knew that God had done some things and, and he had done some amazing things. And I realized God did all those amazing things. And he meant for those amazing things to carry me through this terrible moment. You know? Are y'all with me? Yeah. We, Becky and I have told people this a hundred times. The move of the Lord at River Life, we went through this great move of the Lord and then everything just slammed on us. Everything collapsed on us. But what got us through everything slammed on us is remembering that move of the Lord, how it carried us. And it gave us something. It put something in us to help us to keep going when we didn't have anything. There's a power in remembrance. Jesus wouldn't have said, do this in remembrance to me. Paul, Peter, all of them talk about remembering. They can reflect back. I'm going to stop on the remembrance thing because I love the remembrance thing. Um... Well, let me just read this statement here I wrote down. In, in times of uncertainty or difficulty, memories, our memories remind us that we're not alone and that the same God who carried you through those past moments is with you now, ready to help you and support you and get you this, through this moment. That's, that's what it's for, to get you through this moment. And I can promise you, He did and He will. Can we do one more? All right, this is the one that I love to death. You should love it to death too. Until you die, that's what I mean. You will be doing this until you die. Learn to think kingdom versus wilderness. Learn to think kingdom versus wilderness. Okay, so they'd already crossed over, you know, they already got through all that. They went to Gilgal, went through that miserable experience. And if you don't know about that, you can read about last week's message but getting getting things cut but so this is amazing here this has really helped me in my life so much uh, Joshua 5 10 through 12 and, and while the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal this is after their circumcision thing they celebrated the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho so they could, they could probably see the city of Jericho from there. And, that, you know, they were fixing to go do some stuff, and they were having a party. They were doing Passover. What's that scripture? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That was what was happening there. Oh, then on the day after that Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and roasted grain. And the manna ceased. Everybody say manna ceased. Manna ceased. Okay. On the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land, so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the, of the land of Cana during that year. Amen. So here's the thing, y'all. Now here's what a wilderness mindset is. A wilderness mindset is like this. Oh, God is going to have some manna waiting on me in the morning. That's what, it's, that's what it is. God's going to have some manna for me. And he's going to lead me with a cloud, a visible cloud, 
during the daytime. And if I happen to go somewhere at night, he's going to have a torch to see. All of that stopped. That was over with. So in the promised land, this is what happened. God gave them gardens and vineyards and houses that they did not plant. They did not build. He gave it all to them. But here's the problem. He wanted them to take possession of things, but they had to take those things that he gave them and cultivate them and make them work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, the wilderness mindset waits for God to do everything. I mean, literally everything. Where a kingdom mindset is like what Jesus did. Jesus took water and he turned it into wine. Jesus took five loaves and two fish and broke them and fed a multitude. He, he, they took what was natural. Are y'all hearing me? You take what God has given you, natural, and take it and multiply and get it blessed and use it, cultivate it, make it grow. That's really what the, the kingdom mindset's all about. It's, it's not about this business that God's going to do everything. You're not going to wake up in the morning and there's going to be a pile of money sitting in your bank account, more than likely. Maybe occasionally. And I'm not against that. I would like for God to do that for me, honestly. That would be beautiful. I would say, yes, he did it, but that would be like the exception to my life. Because most of the money, in fact, all the money that I pretty much put in the bank, is not, it's not coming out of heaven. It's coming out of some work. It's coming out of some effort. It's coming out doing what you're supposed to do with your life. And if you could take that money that you've earned and worked at and invest it properly, like I don't think I've always done, you could have a lot of money maybe one day. Amen. And see, that's just a picture of how God, that's a, a difference between a, did y'all follow all that? And so we had to begin to learn this and shift this. Um, I love this scripture right here. Uh, it really sums it up. This is another favorite scripture of Becky and I, when it, especially when it comes to ministry. But it come, it's about everything. It's 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Paul said, I planted. I planted. Apollos watered. Apollos did it. God didn't plant it. God didn't water it. But God gave the increase. So Becky and I have always told, you know, we, we always try to be careful when we're doing ministry. Like we have a, there's a boundary in ministry that we have. Here's what the boundary is. We can plant, we can water, but God has to do the increase. When we step over that boundary, we've stepped over into a realm that's not ours. And you know what happens when you step over in that realm? You get blistered. You get burnt out. You get tore up. You get mad. You get angry. You get beat to death. Because you're trying to do something only God can do. And we, you know, we've had to learn that. And in every situation we're doing, we're learning it. We're always learning it, making sure we don't step into God, the place that God, you know, like we've told people, we're not the Holy Spirit. We're, ultimately, we're not responsible for this. We're responsible for our assigned task. Are y'all following this? And so it's the, the ministry in the kingdom is we're working with the Holy Spirit. We're not working for the Holy Spirit. We're working with Him. We're co-laborers with Christ, working with Christ to accomplish His goals. Am I talking to anybody? Well, I wanted to talk just a minute because i got about two or three minutes left about the poverty mindset. Anybody know about poverty mindsets? 
or poverty spirit. And it's really rooted in the wilderness mindset. That's where it comes from. And, uh, I mean, I think I've been true, you know, honest about my dealings with, with having a poverty mindset. Even in recent times, even in recent uh, weeks, I've, I've discovered some poverty thinking in me. And, you know, it's, it's unhealthy. It's, here's some, just a few things that the poverty mindset focuses on, okay? It's what I don't have. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Focus on what I don't have. Uh, my uh, apparent inability to be blessed. My apparent ability to be blessed. In, or inability, right. Thanks, Andy. Andy's keeping me straight. He's earning his pay here. My apparent inability to be blessed. Listen to this one. Other people are the source of my needs being met. Other people are the source of my needs being met. That's a poverty mindset, y'all. The reasons I'm at a disadvantage in life. What, what's your reason today that you're at a disadvantage? Mine used to be my parents. My mom, I told y'all about that when the Lord spoke to me, when you're going to stop blaming your parents for your situation. And I said, right now. <laughs> you see, we, those are just some, those are really common, what I read you common. Not everybody, most people don't really fall into that. Everybody else's, uh, other people are the source of my needs being met. Uh, but you know, I've seen people that are very successful in, the, in life but are very dependent on other people meeting their spiritual needs. That's a poverty mindset. It really is. That's not really what God has for us. He wants us to grow into something. Uh, Passivity is the fruit of wilderness thinking. Passivity. God is against passivity. Passivity is not waiting on the Lord. That's, it has nothing to do with waiting on Lord. Uh, Matthew 25. There's a bunch of good stuff in Matthew 25. There's a bunch of good stuff in the whole Bible, really. But <laughs> There's these parables in there. We should talk about them sometimes. Matthew 24 and 29. Those are really beautiful chapters. But um, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. How many people know about that? You see, there was these three guys, and they gave them these talents. This guy gave them this master, this important person who had, had all this stuff. He gave these three guys different amounts. Uh, I think five, two, and one or something like that. That's right. Yeah. And uh, the five guy went and did. He wasn't passive. He took what God gave him or his master, and he multiplied. He worked it. He put it to work, and it grew and when his master came back, he said, hey, here's your five plus five more. You got ten. Well, his master was really happy. The same thing with the two guy. He had two. He only had two. The same thing. He doubled it. He got rewarded. Then the one guy comes up like, well, you know, you were hard and difficult and, you know, you're a hard God. You know, you don't, I don't understand. You killed all those people in the Old Testament. What's wrong with you? I ain't doing, I'm not messing with you. Here's your money back. <laughs> Here's your stinking one talent you gave me. You didn't give me five like that other guy. What's wrong? What's wrong with me that you didn't do that for me? Therefore, I did nothing with it. That's being passive. 
And the Lord basically, or the man basically said, well, you knew I was hard and difficult and killed all those people. That's just the way I'm going to be with you. I've often told people this. The way we see God, the way we think about God is the way he's going to be towards us. And that's the way he was with that guy. That, that's passivity. That guy was passive. He didn't, you know, he had all these issues that was hurting him. Where really the Lord was really trying to bless that guy. That's really what he was trying to do and give him a chance. Is that making sense? Yeah. It's the natural working with the supernatural to accomplish God's intended purpose. That's what God wants from us. The natural working with the supernatural to accomplish what he wants. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.